Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Step into the winner's circle here on a Sunday on the Neighborhood Watch. I am your host, Josh Neighbors. This, as I mentioned, is the Neighborhood Watch, part of Crystal Ball College Football and the 365 Sports Network. Texas Tech, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, and Kansas score wins over the weekend. Who was, who was the most impressive? Who do we take the most from? What does it mean moving forward in the Big 12 Conference? That is what we talk about here. The winner's circle on Sunday. On Monday, it'll be the loser's corner. Losing story, or excuse me, the better story, is sometimes in the loser's locker room. And then we'll do our power rankings on a Tuesday. Make sure you guys like the video, subscribe to the channel. We cover Big 12 football and basketball five-plus days a week. Obviously, we are in the throes of football season. We talk conference realignment. All of those things we cover here. You guys can find this show wherever you get your podcast and on Twitter slash X at NWPod365. First uh, losing week, I believe, of the season. We were 1-3 and three this week, ATS. That puts us at 17 and 14 overall in the season. So we're still above 500, still making you some money this season. Big 12 best bets there. You guys can find us. All right. So where should we start? I did an entire show reacting to Red River yesterday. I will touch on that in the end. I'll kind of weave that throughout because obviously that result was one of the most important results in all of college football so far this season. It's a massive result in this conference because at this point in time, it's pretty safe to say that those are the two best teams. There are two undefeated teams left in the Big 12, Oklahoma and West Virginia. West Virginia did not play this week, so obviously kind of hard to talk about them. But hey, guys, moving forward, Oklahoma and West Virginia, off the top, they get priority because, you know, if you're sitting at the top, brother, you, you kind of get that shine. And so that, that's the way this thing is going to work. But I want to start with Texas Tech. So Texas Tech and Baylor, rivalry game, Joey McGuire, relationship obviously with Baylor, and they show up and really just put their foot into Baylor. 39-14, your final score. And I, I was thinking about this last night. You know, I had a few beverages also. If you guys had a few beverages last night, make sure you get whatever kind of uh, coffee. I have my tropical smoothie, Detox Island Green. Whatever you guys need. Uh, you know, take that sip, get ready, take the Advil, get ready to go. But I considered doing it last night because when I saw Dave Aranda uh, kick a field goal to cut a three-score lead to still a three-score lead, I believe 21 went to 18 for reasons that I can't quite frankly explain. Uh, this game was over. But Texas Tech, what we've talked about with them is this, is that when you want to when you want to go with pace, and that's going to be your M.O., um, you're going to put your defense in some difficult spots, right? If you score a bunch, that's great. If you score a bunch quickly, that's great. But if a team hangs in there and starts punching back and three and outs happen for you, then you're going to put your, you're going to put your defense on the field a bit more, and the opportunity to come back in that game becomes easier because it's going to happen in less time. 
So what can you do to remedy that if you don't want to totally slow your pace down? Well, you can run the football. And you can run the football the way they did tonight with Taj Brooks. 31 carries for 170 yards and a score. Also, Cameron Valdez, six carries for 21 yards. That's not like a super effective night. And Taj Brooks' longest run was 24 yards. So this wasn't like some massively explosive running game tonight. They were consistent with the run game all evening long. And that is what you want to see from Texas Tech. This means now if they can run, and I'm not saying they can run the football effectively all the time, but we're looking at touchdown drives here, guys, where it's 11 plays, 75 yards, five minutes and 14 seconds. They had some quick strikes, 759, three minutes still too, right? They had some of those, but taking more time on some of these drives at times can be effective. They had a six minute and 24 second touchdown drive. They had a four plus minute touchdown drive. So they had a couple longer drives. They still have some of the quick strikes in there as well, especially off some turnovers. They had that, but a couple of those longer drives, the ability to hang in more when it comes to time of possession battle, because they don't win that one often. They did narrowly in this game, but they were getting third downs, 10 of 18 on the evening on third down. And it looks like Baron Morton, for as uncomfortable as Baron Morton looked in the West Virginia game, especially these last couple um you know, these last couple uh, sequences, like, like I guess you could say quarters and whatnot, last six especially. Too. And the first half, too, was awesome against Houston. But like, he really found us with them, right? Uh, he was 19 for 26, 180, and three scores. Also had the interception on the evening, too. But Baron Morton starting to get more comfortable, starting to look like a guy who's been in the offense for a while now, and he has. And so, and a little bit more of the protection, too. I mean, they did not run him as much, which I think is important for them. I think they have to be careful and mindful of how much they are running quarterbacks in this offense. But I will say overall on the performance for Texas Tech, they're now three and three, two and one in the Big 12 conference. This is the group I want to see rounding into form. And also for them on the defensive side of things, I was very, very impressed with the effort last night. 11 TFLs and six sacks. They were getting after the quarterback in a very significant way. And also, guys, this, you know, good, good to note here, like they might have given up 28 last week, but in the last six quarters that they've played in, they've given up a total of 14 points. Right. Uh, and and their defense has been putting their offense in really impressive. You know, their, their defense is doing a much better job. Um, and so I, I think that if this team is a bit more balanced, they're dangerous. Now, their advantage might be their pace in some moments, but you need to be selective about when you put pace on people. And I'm starting to think that this Texas Tech roster and this group is actually good enough to dictate pace against most teams in this league. I've got some questions against the top half, and maybe next week is a really good, uh, it's going to be an inflection point because I do believe K-State and Texas Tech are two top half teams in this league. I still think Kansas State is, but They've got a chance to dictate pace. A big challenge of when you can dictate pace will be next week. And I definitely think talking about getting in the backfield, they should try to make life miserable for Will Howard because as bad as Howard was, the receivers, I'll oh, get into this in a little bit here, but the receivers not getting separation. Like they can, they can get after Will Howard's ass. They really could in a, in a, in a big time way. And um, their schedule is not the easiest the rest of the way, but the good news is, 
K State is at home. TCU is at home. UCF is at home. BYU is in the road. Tough one. Kansas on the road. Tough one. And Texas on the road. Tough one. But I think we've got a good chance to see this roster build. And I'm not saying it's going to be, you know, they're going to win out. They did dig themselves in a hole. But back-to-back games now where they've gotten, uh, you know, 20-plus point victories over conference opponents, one at home, one on the road, right? And those last two games, they have scored a combined, let's see, 88 points, I believe. So this thing is humming right now for Texas Tech in a way it wasn't before. That West Virginia came kind of, uh, it came at a bad time for them. But after that, they really looked impressive. And I think Texas Tech, I mean, they're going to make a jump in the power rankings. You know, out of these two teams, like you were kind of wondering, all right, how good would somebody feel after a win? I, I did not think Texas Tech would look that good, avenging this loss from last year. And they're starting to, they're starting to, the, the, the worm is starting to turn, as they say. A win against K-State next week. All right, we've got something serious cooking here about, not, not maybe a Big 12 title contender, but I mean, they're going to scare the daylights out of everybody else who is, if they play anybody who is. So, and it's a big, I mean, it's a, it's a loser leaves town match next week, right? If you want to make the big 12 title game next week, uh, K state versus versus Texas tech, both teams who have one loss right now in the big 12 conference, that's a must win game for both. All right. So Mike Gundy's Oklahoma state Cowboys going back to Friday night, they score a significant win 29, 21, over Kansas State. So we talked a lot about Mike Gundy. I still think he's the best coach in the Big 12, but maybe the situation this year had gotten away from him a bit. Maybe the quarterback situation, and I think it's still pretty fair to say the quarterback situation did get away from him. And I'm not sold Alan Bowman's going to be a guy that's going to make them like, like, I don't think you can bank on them always being a top half team this season or playing like a top half team. But what do elite coaches do when you ask questions of them? What do elite coaches do, especially off a bye week when you ask questions of them? Guys, I cannot tell you how impressed I was. That script that Oklahoma State had for their first drive against Kansas State in their 29-21 victory was masterful. They were moving the ball all over the field. Ollie Gordon is a freaking star. For sure, for sure, he is a star in this league. Ollie Gordon, to me, and I know I know, Brennan Presley's been around for a while and it's kind of like the guy leader or whatever, I think Alan, uh, I think Ollie Gordon to me is always a guy that when I watch them, he really does stand out. Like he looks just a little bit different. And last year you saw a little bit this year. He's taken a massive step forward. 58 carries 366, uh, 6.3 per tote, three scores as well. He's effective catching the football out of the backfield to 5.8 yards. And that's, that's the area he'll work on, but he's a, he's a bowling ball, man. He's six one two eleven. He's all of it, right? He is all of that. And so I love the way that they've utilized him as a horse. And honestly, guys, this game to me was more reminiscent of um, this game was more reminiscent of the 2021 Oklahoma State team. And what do we say? Mike Gundy, you think about throwing the football around the yard. You think about, you know, wide receivers making big plays and all those things. But this team might be at their best when they're running the football and they're playing defense. And uh, that team at least was. And I'm not. I'm not sure this group is, but I was really impressed the way that the defense flew all over the field in this game too. And you had to be impressed the way that they ran the football. And Alan Bowman, this was not some heroic performance. 19 of 35 for 235. Uh, you know, is not some unbelievable, uh, unreal performance. And I thought there were times they could have really put a uh, Kansas State away 
right? But they were really not able to. They scored nine points in the second half of this game, but their defense made some big plays and they forced three turnovers or excuse me, uh, three interceptions. And in addition to that uh, fumble too, they didn't pick that up, but they were able to make and generate a bunch of plays. Now, will Howard get away from a little bit? Yeah, he had a big day running the football. Uh, and, and K-State in general ran the ball pretty well. But the passing attack for Kansas State was not able to get going. And I think Will Howard's gotten a lot better. I don't think – people have mentioned a quarterback controversy, and we'll discuss this too on the show. So, um, yeah, man. I, I mean, I think at this point – you know, I think at this point it's pretty fair to say, like, this Kansas State team is not as good as the one last year. But uh, Mike Gundy can still reach into his bag – and pull something out like this. And I thought they played their strengths really well. I was just incredibly impressed, right? Their schedule is favorable. Kansas at home next week at West Virginia, Cincinnati, OU, both come to Oklahoma state at UCF at Houston and BYU. Like, I think this is heading towards seven wins. Um, I'm still not ready to say Alan Bowman's. I mean, maybe, maybe he's the guy who gives him the best chance to win week in and week out. But, uh, like, against Oklahoma, I mean, there's – really, do you think Alan Bowman's going to – unless he unless he goes, like, crazy. But Alan Bowman hasn't done that yet. There is no there is no result this year where you point to Alan Bowman performances and you're like, this guy is spinning the rock all over the yard. And I'm not saying he's got to be that guy, but if you want to step up and, and, and contend with an Oklahoma or a Texas, like, you might need him to be. But, hey, he's a senior leader. You know, and, and so for, and they don't play Texas. I know that, but he's a senior leader. He's got the experience and you got an experienced coach in Mike Gundy. And so, you know, uh, and a lot of these teams will be trading places. Um, not, I, I feel better about a Texas tech than I do in Oklahoma state, but for at least one week, you kind of got a good reminder on, on what this team can be and how good the coach can be when you gave him the opportunity to game plan. I, I think that's pretty clear. Uh, Kansas just lays the wood to UCF. 51-22. What's most impressive about this, besides the fact that KU is 5-1 and 2-1 and and in the Big 12 Conference, is not only the fact that Kansas ran for basically 400 yards, 399, uh, 7.8 a carry, and five touchdowns. The fact that Kansas threw for um, 91 yards in a game and won the game by 30-some points, shows you this program, man, has an identity. Like, I, I with Jalen in the, in the game, they can pass a little bit better. They're a bit more effective, and he can, and they actually have a decent group of receivers, in my opinion. But this team, at its core, wants to run the football, and Andy Kotelnicki, as a coordinator, is a very, very, very talented play designer. They get guys in spots to succeed in some really creative ways. Just watch the offensive line. Watch the way guys move. And I'll, I, I want to give all their backs credit. Neil, Highshaw, McDuffie. I mean, all those guys ran for three-plus yards per carry or seven-plus yards per carry. I just want to say, those two guys, like, there is. it seems like there is no jealousy. Maybe there's a healthy competitiveness between the top two guys especially. But those guys know that they're going to get their carries. They know they're going to get the rock. They know that there's no concern about getting touches that they're going to ride those guys. And when their numbers called, they need to deliver. And they did. And to see them up 30 at one point in time on UCF, a team that was favored coming into that game. And I know John Rice Plumley, you know, in and out, well, obviously, you know, injury doesn't, it's just not back yet. And, and McLean comes in the game, 
But Kansas saw that, and also they saw a team that clearly was questioning themselves. There were no doubts with this Kansas group after that loss last week. Texas handed their ass to them the second half of that game, right? The latter stages of that game, Texas manhandled them. And Kansas could have questioned like their physicality and their ability, but you know what? They rebounded really well this week. And their, fo their focus and their uh, understanding of like the task at hand and really playing to their strengths. I mean, this Kansas team, they, they let one loss become two and three last year. And I also have to say this too, like their defense was a lot better in this game. You know, defense, uh, their uh, offenses can really take advantage of the KU defense. But the KU defense rallied this week. And even though UCF had some success running the football, you know, it was hard for them to run the rock when they were that far behind. KU rides that massive second quarter to a 24-point advantage, and that game was over at halftime. 24-0 at half. I know it's possible to come back, but KU kept pouring it on. That's what they need to do, and that, that's the sign that this program is evolving. Lance Leipold, week in and week out, shows you how good of a coach he is. You might say, all right, well, what's going to happen this week? Well, they answered all the questions. And look, guys, I'm not even saying they're going to answer them every single week. They might lose next week to Oklahoma State on the road. But and they've got a tough stretch here where they are Oklahoma State on the road, OU at home, at, Oklahoma, uh, at Iowa State, who's definitely come to life. We'll get to them in a second. Texas Tech and K-State both at home at Cincinnati. Right, so all those teams do present some kind of challenge in some way. Right, Oklahoma State, obviously, that's a tough atmosphere to go into. They're getting a little confidence right now. They have stopped the run against Ollie Gordon and company. Oklahoma, we saw what they're capable of yesterday at Iowa State as well, too. But Kansas, not saying they're a Big 12 title contender because right now, Texas and Oklahoma and West Virginia are the ones that, you know, like I think, I mean, I don't even think West Virginia is, but I'm putting them in the category because of what happened. But if we're talking about, hey, which teams are going to break in and be that fourth team or third or fourth team, whatever, and, and could po you know possibly upset the apple cart and make a push for it, right? Uh, who's going to be that team on the final week of the season that's sitting there like Texas was last year, right? Texas beats Baylor on a Friday and basically tells K-State, all right, K-State, you have to go and beat Kansas to get into the Big 12 championship game. And they did, obviously. They took care of business. But Who's going to be that team that's going to hang around and potentially put the pressure on a little bit on one of the schools at the top? I think there is a chance that Kansas could be that team. It's a tough road to hoe for sure. They've got a lot of challenging games. But if you look at these last six teams, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, Iowa State, Texas Tech, Kansas State, and Cincinnati, the three toughest teams they play, I think, are, I still think K-State's got some, got some ability, although you could argue that they're not. I put K-State three, Texas Tech two, Oklahoma State, uh, Oklahoma number one, right? And you could flip Oklahoma State maybe, whatever you want to do. But like my point is Oklahoma, Texas Tech, and K-State are all at home, right? They get all of those challenges at home. Now, will there be a lot of crimson and cream when they take on OU at home? Yes, there will be. Their challenge is to, get the, to fill that place up and make sure their fan base is heard and is, they are loud. But if you're a Kansas fan, man, you have to get out and support this team. They, their schedule has not been easy. I, you know, they go to, they play Illinois as a power five team and they take care of business. They're the much better team in that game at Nevada. That was not a fantastic effort. Not a, Nevada's not very good, but on the road, they take care of business. BYU is a tough opportunistic team. It was, it was close-ish late, but Kansas kept it at two scores. They were in the Texas game until very late until the better quality team did take over. And they rebound this week as a home dog and they, and they, they hammer down, right. And they hammer down. And so, 
That's why I think Kansas, definitely a top half team. They definitely deserve all of our respect. And I'm I'm really wondering, man, can they stretch this thing to seven, eight wins this year? I mean, they've got a they've got five right now. If they guys, if Kansas splits their final three games, that is an eight win Kansas football team. Six wins, not an aberration, man. It, man, Lance Leipold is building that thing. The big question for them is how they finish seasons, right? I think they were five and one last year, four and one, five and one last year. Obviously, QB injury, but they had this. They have this year too. Excuse me. So we'll see what happens with Jalen Daniels if he's able to get back in there. But Jason Bean, you saw that when he said, you know, to, to Jalen Daniels, "Hey, man, you know, I have my time. It's your time now." J- uh, Jason Bean, by all accounts, phenomenal teammate. Phenomenal teammate. Looks like Jason Bean is, and they trust that guy. And he made enough plays yesterday. They didn't need him very much. Uh, once again, different kind of runner. He's more the straight line speed track guy. So, um, I, I yeah, I can't say enough good things about the job. Five and one, guys. Five and one, Kansas Jayhawks. Two and one of the Big 12. Uh, you know, adjust your television sets accordingly. And also, they're incredibly fun to watch. All right. Iowa State 27, TCU 14. The bigger story is TCU. Chandler Morris gets hurt in this game. I know. But... This was Iowa State that we are used to seeing. Iowa State guys, three and three, okay? Three and three, two and one of the Big 12. Iowa State is starting to look like Iowa State. Matt Campbell backs up against the wall, and what is he doing? This team is ripping off some wins, right? They lost to Iowa, yes. They lost to Ohio, who I think is a good MAC team, yes. But their wins right now, guys, Northern Iowa in a game that is the first game without their, their dudes. Oklahoma State by, by seven, and Rocco Beck lit it up. And the, the Oklahoma loss. But then also the, uh, the TCU win by 13 points. Right? So this is a team that's scoring some wins that I would consider impressive given the circumstances. Is it pretty? Was it beautiful yesterday? Was it a beautiful 27-14? No. But guess what they did? They forced four turnovers. They won the time possession battle. Uh, one penalty for 15 yards against TCU, six for 52. They were not great on third down. Uh, you know, they only gained 353 yards of a total offense. Yards per pass, 4.9. That's not excellent. They had less first downs, but they grinded out a victory in this game. And the big thing was whenever they got, you know, interceptions, uh, you know, not like they were turning this thing into points, but turnover on downs, they did turn in to a touchdown. Um, you know, they hit some actually some explosive plays as well but uh you know they just they hung in this game like they hung in this game and not hung in this game they were winning the game the entire time but like they you know they, they felt like uh tc could ever grab momentum but they just they they ebbed the the tide at every single point they stopped the, the any potential uh kind of comeback there they stopped tcu dead in their tracks and look this iowa state defense is not as good as last year's i don't think but if they can run the football somewhat effectively, like they can cobble together five, six wins, maybe. I don't know if six is possible, but if you run the football the way they did yesterday for 5.8 a pop and you know two scores and uh, Eli Sanders had a nice day, uh, you know, um, um, uh, Sama had a great day, right? It was good to see him out there. They were able to run the ball somewhat effectively and Rocco Beck actually did take care of it. It wasn't like they were hitting massive plays and they still have a big talent gap, right? It's not a team talent-wise that is a barnstorming group. And they've got Cincinnati next week. I've got the Baylor, Cincinnati, Iowa State. That's a yucky game. Uh, they got Baylor next week on the road. Six wins. It's going to be tough for them to get. 
They have got four road games left out of those six remaining games. They've got four on the road at Cincy, at Baylor, at BYU, at K-State. They get KU and they get uh, Texas at home. Their schedule is really difficult. I think five wins would be a massive success considering what Iowa State has on their roster and what's happened to them. I, I know it's not what folks want to hear, but five wins with this group that is le- that is lemons out of you know uh, lemonade out of I mean I don't even know you, you know you could say uh, out of a out of a can or something I mean out of a box like that is that is how impressive it is because it's just they don't have much. They do have though effort, heart, good coach. Uh, you know they they did not shoot themselves in the foot in this game at all, and so that's why I was impressed with them. And look, guys, they're three and three in the league. They're two and one. They're better than TCU is in the league. And TCU's got some serious questions. We'll talk about them. And just to revisit my point from yesterday as we wrap up here about the folks saying, um, I got some responses about Red River being just another conference game. And, uh, you know, just another conference game I didn't watch. And I said this. I said, if you're a Big 12 fan and you you didn't watch that game or did not care to watch that game, um, I question whether you're a real college football fan. You can be as angry as you want to. But if you missed out on that game, guys, and like, you know, I just mean like, hey, if you had the ability to watch Red River and you passed on it because you're angry at Texas and Oklahoma, I am sorry. You may do whatever you want with your time, but that is the college football that I want to see. I want to see games like I saw yesterday between Baylor and Texas Tech. I want to see KU and UCF. I want to see Oklahoma State and Kansas State. I want to see Oklahoma, for one last time, play all the teams in the Big 12. I want to see Texas do it as well. But what makes rivalry games special is, for once a year, you play you know, you play everybody, and you have these massive games in the calendar, and you circle them, and you don't always know if they're going to live up to the hype of the expectations of it. Red River, for one last time in the Big 12 Conference, both teams undefeated in a game that's going to shape the story of college football in 2023. It's going to shape the college football playoff race in 2023. It's going to shape the Big 12 conference race in 2023 at the Cotton Bowl for one last time as Big 12 members. That was not a Southeastern conference game. The SEC network can show highlights of it last night on SEC final. They can do that. That was not an SEC win that Oklahoma scored yesterday. That was a Big 12 win. Texas did not take an SEC loss. That was a Big 12 loss. If Oklahoma wants to win the college or go to the college football playoff this year, they will do it as a member of the Big 12 Conference. The same thing applies for Texas. They are part of the league this year, like it or not. And if you missed out on that game yesterday because you are angry, I feel bad for you because that is what college football is all about. Two rivals, great venue, great setting, college game day, best announcer crew, the game delivers a banger. And if you missed out on that because you're like, hmm, that's just another conference game. No, it's not. If you think that's another conference game, that's not what Iowa State and TCU looked like. That is not what Oklahoma State and and K-State had a great crowd. So, like, you know, maybe we'll just put that one aside. That is not what UCF and Kansas looked like. That was significant in a different way. Guys, that Baylor-TCU rivalry game is a rivalry. But what made it awesome last year was how it built to that big moment where TCU's dodging bullets all season long. And on Fox at noon, they were in a fire drill field. They get the stop first. And the fire drill field goal, they get the win and they stay undefeated. 
And that was awesome in that setting on the road to make that happen is what made that special. A lot of that is what I'm talking about right here. It was a rivalry game in a cool venue that made a lot of, you know, that it just, it, it meant a lot for everybody, for the entire sport, for our conference, all of those things. And so folks who are trying not to enjoy it, let yourself enjoy that. Let yourself enjoy a wonderful game that ended with Dylan Gabriel, who didn't get to play in the game last year, driving OU down the field. And look, there have been some doubts about him. And I still have some doubts about him. You know, he's, he's not a big guy. He gets passes batted down at the line all the time. But watching him hang in there, hang in the pocket, make that throw, you could see how much it meant to him. It was awesome to see a guy etch his name in history. I mean, guys, we were asking, you know, earlier on the season, like, is he the best quarterback on the roster? And he delivers in that moment against a team that we thought was better. That's really cool, guys. That shifted the narrative of our entire conference for the year. And do I want some teams to knock them off? Of course I do. I love the Big 12. That's what I cover. Big 12 helps pay the bills around here. It's been doing it for years ever since I got out of college. I love the league. But man, let yourself enjoy that. Don't deny yourself games like that because you're upset with the teams involved. I just find that tough. I find that really, really tough. You know, uh, you know if you want to watch Kansas State, Missouri, fine, because that game was a banger. Sure. I just have a tough time sitting here when people are like, it was just another conference game. Stop hyping it up so much. Guys, that's one of the best freaking games you're going to see all year. It's one of the best college football games you're going to see all year. That's probably the best game we've seen all year across the entire sport. That's the best game. Ohio State Notre Dame might have come down to the end. But that was not a great game. Kansas, uh, Kansas State, Missouri was an awesome game down to the wire at the very end. LSU Ole Miss, fun game down to the wire at the end. But the Kansas, uh, Texas and Oklahoma had special teams, it had offense, it had defense, it had dramatic drives, it had you know big mistakes, it had big plays, it had big moments, it had guys stepping up, it had a coach getting over the hump and Brent Venables and maybe cementing himself. It had a changing of the guard in the conference so far. Hey, we thought it was this team, but actually it's this team is the team to be. It's everything that we love about college football in a rivalry setting and a big iconic venue. Is it two teams that might have done the conference dirty? Yes. But you know what? It's over. It's done. It's happening. All right. And we have to accept that. So don't let yourself, don't deny yourself enjoying great contests because you're upset about the teams involved. All right. I'm a, I'm a commanders fan. If the giants and the Eagles play a great one, I still want to watch it. I still enjoy watching Deshaun Jackson take back the kick, right? If it's Cowboys and Eagles, whatever it is, like just, you shouldn't, you shouldn't deny yourself. You don't have to want either team to win to acknowledge how great it was, right? If I saw the Dodgers and the Yankees playing in the World Series, I wouldn't root for either team, but man, I, I got to appreciate it. I got to appreciate it. they played a seven-game classic, you know, an extra innings, you know, and walk off it. Like, you have to enjoy all that stuff. That's basically what we had. OU in Texas, trading blows in the Cotton Bowl, the last time as Big 12 members, and one team, the underdog, won, and we did not see that coming. And right now, they should be the prohibitive favorite to win the Big 12. All right? That is the big storyline of the conference. Are there other storylines happening too? Yeah, Texas Tech, man. Better keep your eye out. Mike Gundy showing us some things, proving us wrong. Kansas is building something there, obviously. Iowa State is not dead. Do not bury them. All significant storylines. All of them. But we have to admit that Oklahoma and Texas was the big one. All right, we're back uh, in Loser's Corner. We'll talk about Texas. We'll talk about TCU. We'll talk about Kansas State. Yikes. Talk about Baylor. I mean, there is so much to get to from the losing side of a lot of these teams. 
So that'll be Loser's Corner coming up on uh, Monday's show. You won't want to miss that one, guys, because we have a lot of questions to ask a lot of these teams. Follow us on Twitter at NWPod365. You guys can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. You guys can find the show wherever you get your podcasts as well. All right, folks, talk to you tomorrow.